welcome to the Open and Resilient Podcast, where we empower business leaders to focus on what actually matters, rather than the pain of IT. I'm your host, Greg Mater. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Open Source Integrators. Today, I'm speaking with Melissa Mack, Vice President of Operations for Far More Ingredients. Far More Ingredients is the leading wholesaler and supplier for a number of pharmaceutical and food grade ingredients that are primarily in the supplement business. Melissa, thank you so much for being on uh, the podcast today. Thank you, Greg, for inviting me. I look forward to participating. So the question I ask everybody first is, what's your favorite snack food? Tortilla chips and salsa. (laughs) Tortilla chips and salsa. Any particular kind of salsa? The milder, the better. I... (laughs) And I like it chunky, not blended. <laughs> Interesting. I, I have a daughter who hates chunky tomatoes in any form, so it has to be perfectly smooth for her. Ah, it's more of a pico than a salsa. <laughs> okay. Do you have a favorite salsa brand? Uh, there's a local grocery store that makes it, and so it's Harmon's, their, their specialty brand here. Uh, next time I'm in your neck of the woods, I'm going to check that out, so thank you. Melissa, you're one of the more accomplished people I know. You have this background in science and management that I think is amazing. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got to this place in your career? I did achieve a bachelor's in chemistry, and it was because I had a passion for chemistry and strength in math that carried me through. Soon as I graduated, I started working at a manufacturing facility doing quality control testing for both in-process and finished goods. That quickly led me, when I was promoted, to technical support, where I worked with customers in helping them with their applications of our product. I actually achieved a patent while doing this with one of my customers. I quickly realized that my technical background would assist me in the business world. So I moved over to sourcing and purchasing, and that allowed me to to work and communicate with the quality control as well as the business development process. Then I was given this opportunity to run the day-to-day operations of an import company. So I was using my technical skills, my business skills, my finance skills. So I've had a passion for the nutritional supplement industry and that's where I have spent all of my career. It really is remarkable. I have two daughters who are both really interested in science and I'm surprised at how nerdy our conversations around the house are. It seems to me like chemistry is one of the places where more and more women have found success. Were there a lot of women when you were taking classes in chemistry? When I graduated, there were only two of us that were women in the bachelor's of chemistry degree. So a lot of my classes were male dominated uh, fields. And like I said, I only had another woman that graduated at the same time as me. It seems to have changed very quickly. That's what I'm noticing. Yes. I think giving the confidence, we talk about that right brain versus left brain. And the more, I think it's about channeling that connection and finding that, like I said, I wasn't very good at chemistry, but I had a passion for it and my math skills carried me through. And so it's finding something that you enjoy 
but you might not be the best at that keeps you going at it. Because if you go for something that you're very good at, I think you'll get bored very quickly. Talking a little bit about Farmore and the last year, did you have supply chain issues? How did you manage? So supply chain for us is very long. The, we purchase from manufacturers that are overseas. So we're dealing with not only the political environment from our relationships that we have with other countries, but also the importing that we have here. COVID really played an impact on the dock workers at, at port, truly delaying our shipments, and there's really nothing you can do about it. We were fortunate enough to have the warehouse supply chain in place to be able to stock more inventory. Of course, that comes with cost, but keeping in supply for our customers was critical. We are proud to report that we've had no out of stocks during this situation and have been financially successful as well. Honestly, I was shocked that we were able to turn around so quickly in managing people working from home and everything else. It's not something that we really looked at, but our contingency plans that we had in place and that we had tested actually allowed us to be resilient. Interesting. When did it hit you that, oh no, this is all different, we've got to change? Our customer service gal has kids that are very young and daycares and schools closed and she had no choice but to be at home. And so that's when it hit us hard that we need to do something different to keep her employed and manage our business. We run lean and mean. And so that's really what hit me is when the schools and the, the daycares closed and she had no choice with her kids, we knew we had to come up with something different to keep us going. Was this an opportunity for you to look into new products and services? Not really. We okay. really supported our existing customers and our existing business took all of our resources just to manage getting things. The process took so much longer. I think our customers were just scrambling to keep production going because they had so many challenges with other ingredients. They were constantly changing their production schedules to accommodate the ingredients that they could actually acquire. How did you realize you needed to initiate some sort of a change in your business process? Well, you realize that things aren't going as smoothly as you want and you want to improve. The goal always is to keep moving forward. And sometimes it's not about innovation, but it's about survival. What we were able to do was have people work from home and manage that as a smooth transition. And to me, that was probably our biggest business project you could talk about. And we were able to quickly do that in your organization, I think one of the key competitive advantages you have is your quality system. I've watched your quality system over the years, and initially it was uh, manual with some automation throughout, but you've evolved that into having a very automated quality system that integrates these third-party tests into certificates of analysis and validates with local tests. Quality is key in our business, for sure. It's what really distinguishes us from our competition. But quality is given. Your customer expects it. We don't manufacture, so we have to validate what we are given. And we validate that through third-party testing. 
when we were looking at different processes, we evaluated the quality piece and what we were doing was partly automated and partly out of the system is what I would call it. And we found it key to do data analysis to evaluate how our process is trending. And so it's key to watch that from our manufacturing process and have the ease to do it so that we can evaluate that fairly quickly. In this journey of automating your quality systems, what percentage of your documents is automated now? I would say we're probably close to about 80%. We still have third-party testing results that come to us and have to be entered into our system. And I don't think there's really any way that we can develop that relationship with a testing lab to enter that information on our behalf. What's the role for business leaders to pick a technology? Well, I think it's important for business leaders to be involved in picking technology, not only because of the cost and the time associated with it, but the resources that are going to be involved. And they have to rely on their employees to be empowered to make the right recommendations but I think it's they have to support those recommendations and get everyone on board for what it brings, not only to solve a problem, but to protect you from the future as well. Why do some IT projects succeed and why do some projects fail? Yeah, Greg, that's a really good question. I think it has a lot to do with all of your background questions that you ask yourself. Sometimes you are asking the wrong questions and so you lead yourself down a, a path of failure and you're not you're looking to solve a problem, not looking to how can we do something better. And you need to ask not only how you're doing it, but why you're doing it. And when you do a project like that, you can be more successful when you do a lot of the research up front and evaluate things and aren't just looking to solve that problem. So I think a lot of the future of a project and whether it succeeds or fails is what you're trying to manage in the beginning and how you evaluate it in the very beginning. Melissa, you are this seasoned executive here. Do you have any fun stories from the School of Hard Knocks? <laughs> well, it just goes back to evaluating the people that you have on board with you and how you approach things that make your job very interesting and challenging. The School of Hard Knocks, I don't have any real stories to share. For me, it's the research you do before you make a decision. I spend all of my time researching and evaluating it. And again, it goes back into your personal life too. Whenever you go to purchase something, you read all the reviews and you do all the research and the comparison. And I think that's where the school of hard knocks comes from is when you don't take the time to make it right and have to make a quick judgment call is what ends up really burning you in the, in the long run. One thing I've noticed as a goal for far more was using automation to both cut costs and improve throughput. Has your new system achieved those goals for you? 
Yes, most definitely. We've been able to minimize the workload of, say, our customer service person who's now able to work on inside sales that ultimately grows our company. We have reduced our paperwork, which has not only cut our costs, but it has also allowed us to be remote working where everyone has access to everything that they need and aren't relying on things. So yes, we had an unintended goal and goes back to that resilience process that we were able to quickly turn the switch and manage our processes outside of the office because of those goals that we achieved. To help people who might be looking for your products or ingredients, can you give us a little pitch on Farmore? Tell us why this is the right place to buy their pharmaceutical ingredients. Farmore has been in business for about 20 years, and we really do have a team of experts that have been dedicated to the nutritional supplement industry. Our quality team has visited over 500 factories over many different countries, and we really strive on not only providing the product, but understanding the processes of the product. We manage our controls. I think that's key is we seem to always be ahead of the curve as it relates to regulations in our industry. It was very exciting this year as we managed new processes that we were already doing, but had to just change the paperwork to be in compliance. So really the key difference for us is that quality. We're there for you. When you have challenges in formulating, we're there to help you because we've been in your shoes as well. So I think it's that diverse team that we do have that understands the entire process and is committed to quality. So I have some questions about specific Michigander food, Melissa. May I ask these questions? Sure. Can you explain Fago Red Pop? Oh my goodness. Fago is one of my favorite brands. I remember going to the different places and with the bottles and you get to pick out all your different flavors and bring home a case of Fago for sure. Oh my goodness. Yes. I, you can't even begin to explain it to anybody. There's nothing out there that can mimic the flavor, the style. It's really nostalgic. So thank you for uh, bringing up that very good memory. Okay. One more then. The Detroit-style Coney dog. That is a love-it-or-hate-it thing. Your take. Uh, I'm not that keen on hot dogs, but I will tell you that we introduced uh, my children to it, and they absolutely love it. We actually have it delivered to our house occasionally. <laughs> wow. That's something. Yes, very expensive, but a very nice treat for them. Melissa, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. This was just so much fun. I really enjoyed my time, Greg. Thank you for choosing me to be a part of this. This podcast is sponsored by Open Source Integrators. Open Source done right the first time. For information about enterprise-grade implementations of Odoo, Pyara, OpenShift, Keycloak, or other technologies, you can find us at www.opensourceintegrators.com.